I wonder if the fathers would stand quickly. Why don't we pray for the fathers, bless them. And um, if you're close to them, just stretch out your hand to the fathers. Let's, let's pray over them for a few minutes. Lord, we thank you for the fathers here this morning. And we pray today that you would release your father's blessing over these fathers. And Lord, we pray for your presence to be released. We pray for healing if healing's needed. We pray for strength and life and vision. Lord, we thank you for what they've given to their families. And Lord, we pray that this morning you may impart a special impartation blessing to them. So, Lord, we ask that you would fill them up today with fresh oil, fresh strength, fresh life. And, Lord, we thank you for who they are in our families. We thank you for them and we bless them this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good. It's Father's Day and that means all sorts of things in Australia. I mean, all sorts of different celebrations and you know, I, I don't think it'll be too long before maybe even doing Father's Day will be politically incorrect, but um, we'll keep doing it, right, <laughs> no matter what. And um, so I want to share briefly today because I think it's a good day to do a short one, um, but I want to give you some statistics this morning. Actually, not really statistics, but I want to, I just started looking up, what does fatherlessness how does that affect a generation? How does that affect people? And so I, I um, went to a, a website which is called The Consequences of Fatherlessness. And it's a, a, a secular site which just has all sorts of statistics and studies from all over the world on the impact of fatherlessness. And so I'll give you the brief version. I think there's about 10 points. I'll give you to them really briefly. The first one they found is poverty. Children in father-absent homes are almost four times more likely to be poor. In 2011, 12% of children in married-coupled families were living in poverty, compared to 44% of children in mother-only families. That's a pretty big thing, isn't it? Um, second one is drug and alcohol abuse. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services states fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Now, this is the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This is not sort of a church or denomination or a Christian agenda, you know, all this sort of stuff. This is just open for everyone to see. Point three is physical and emotional health. A study of nearly 2,000 children aged three and older living with a residential father or father figure found that children living with married biological parents had significantly fewer externalizing and internalizing behavioral problems than children living with at least one non-biological parent. And that keeps going into all sorts of statistics relative to that. Um, I'm just waiting for my page to turn here. Yeah, here it is. The next one is educational achievement. Children in grades 7 to 12 who have lived with at least one biological parent youth, uh, youth that experienced divorce, separation, or no union birth, reported 
lower grade point averages than those who have lived with both biological parents. And you can look at all the, the um, references. This is not just sort of made-up stuff. There's all sorts of studies that it references. Crime. Adolescents living in intact families are less likely to engage in delinquency than their peers living in non-intact families. Compared to peers in intact families, as in mother and father together, adolescents in single-parent families and step-families were more likely to engage in delinquency. And it, that just keeps going on and on. Um, point six, sexual activity and teen pregnancy. A study using a sample of uh, 1,400 rural southern adolescents, not in southern Adelaide, but southern in, in that particular area, between 11 and 18, investigated the correlation between father absence and self-reported sexual activity. The results revealed that adolescents in father absence homes were more likely to report being sexually active compared to adolescents living with their fathers. Being raised by a single mother raises the risk of teen pregnancy, marrying with less than a high school degree, and forming a marriage where both partners have less than a high school degree. And so we can see the effects just keep going on and on. I want to give you just a couple more. Um, if I can find it. No, look, I'll leave it. it. It just keeps going. But we can see here that the world knows this. It doesn't necessarily um, say it from the rooftops clearly and loudly because of the political ramifications nowadays. But the world knows this. Education knows this. Studies know it. The social environment know it. Um, that God's ordained manner of having a father and a mother in our family unit as he created right back at the beginning in the Garden of Eden is still the way he wants it. Now, I'm, I'm not going to have a political rant this morning because that's sort of where I'll leave that particular point. But we can even forget this in Christianity. Now, this is not to make anyone feel bad if that isn't a possible or if it's, there's been a breakdown or if there's been a, a separation. This is not to bring that down or make anyone feel bad or lesser because of that. But we still need to recognize God's ordained manner of humanity. And that is a mother and a father living in a married relationship, raising children in a godly manner, which reflects God. And so I want to read um, from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. In today's day and age, it is um, a rare thing to find people who really know what sonship is. I'm talking about Christians and non-Christians. But there is a reawakening of sonship in Christianity, I think, in the last 10, maybe 20 years, where you hear sonship talked about a lot more. And I think this is a really, really healthy thing because you can generally tell when someone or maybe even yourself, and I can say this about myself, when I am acting outside of sonship or inside of sonship. And there'll be various different um, ways that I'll do that. So, for example, um, if there's something that, is, that I'm wanting to see happen... And I know, you know, in business I would do this a lot. I would want to perhaps win a particular project and so I'd go for that or maybe see something happen, some, some breakthrough or whatever it might be. And I would go after that really hard 
in the natural and, um, and really try and make it happen. And then something would happen and come in the way, uh, maybe it wouldn't quite work out, and then I would still try to make it happen. And then a second thing would maybe try to come in the way, and then I would still try and make it happen. And you would think the third time, you know, you would, you would look at it and go, well, maybe that's just not meant to be, you know. Um, but then you know by the third time when you're still trying to make something happen that you're acting outside of sonship. Because the orphan is the one who has to make things happen because they don't have the inheritance from the father and the mother. They don't have sonship. They don't have birthrights. They don't have these things. And so it's when we act as the orphan that we try and make things happen. And it is the hard way to live life. Being a son and a daughter of the Most High is the easiest way to live life not saying it's going to be, you know, a barrel of laughs the whole time. But why? Because we'll have peace with our Father. When we're connected to our Father and we have peace with our Father, then we can hear from Him. And even in the storm, we'll know we're a son or a daughter. But when we're acting as an orphan and trying to make things happen and, and sort of we're getting that anxiety about ourselves because things just aren't happening, so we're still trying to make it happen, so anxiety goes up even more, well, then we know the orphan's trying to rise up again. And that's when we just need to sort of re- rebuke the orphan almost <laughs> and, and just not operate in that realm. Now, there's all sorts of ways and teachings uh, about this sort of stuff these days, which are all good and, and all great to have. So I don't want to go too much into the depths of, uh, of, of what that means and the orphan spirit and all that sort of stuff. But if you look at our nation, our nation is somewhat fatherless. fatherless. Even the way our nation was um, established, and I'm not... Um, saying that the Aboriginals probably had a far better family unit than the whites that came as convicts and, you know, and then we had masters and convicts and all this sort of stuff established. And so as a nation, we've had a very, very interesting establishment in the way of, you, if you hear, you know, if you watch American shows, sometimes you'll hear them talking about, you know, our forefathers did this and this and this and our forefathers did that. You won't hear that about Australia. And that's because predominantly we don't recognize a father over our nation or fathers over our nation. We actually put down those who have been fathers over our nation. And so we then remain in the attitude of an orphan, of an orphan. <laughs> and so therefore the longer we keep doing that and not recognizing there have been some great fathers and mothers over this nation. There have been great things done. But our, our very um, um, federation was emerged out of this spirit of a convict, if you like. And so therefore, um, it is difficult when you compare us to, say, with England and the US, and you look at Australia and you think, wow, there is something missing. The good thing is that God sent Jesus to reveal the Father to the orphans, to us. 
And so we have an opportunity as a nation to become engaged with God the Father directly, perhaps without the baggage of all the forefathers, if you like. We, we, do you know what I mean by that? So, so we have direct access. You know, you can turn everything around and see that God may use this for his own good in the end. And um, I want to read a passage from um, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and it says, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And you could almost say this over our nation. When, when people were coming out, um, you know, 200 odd years ago to Australia to settle, and, and certainly when the convicts came out, you know, there was an element of fear with that, wasn't there? An element of fear. And, and there was probably fear actually all over our whole nation uh, between indigenous Australians and these new white people coming to try and settle on the land. So there was almost a slavery to fear over our nation. But God's word says, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There is a great promise over our nation of sonship. And this says it really, really well. We didn't receive a, a, a spirit of fear. We've received a spirit of sonship. Now, we who believe... So that's us, born-again Christians, those who carry the gospel, those who have Jesus living in us. We have the message for our nation. We carry the one message that our nation needs. Of course, there's economic things happening and there's political things happening, but the, the real root core issue that our nation needs is to know its father, is to know its father. Because when a son knows his father and then he has the affirmation of his father, he can do anything. There's no limitations. And you can see this all throughout society. When we operate out of a, an attitude of needing someone's approval, normally that means that there's been a lack of father's affirmation. And when we grow up with a lack of father's affirmation for who we are, not how nice we look or maybe how well we even achieved in this thing or that thing, but just because we're a son or a daughter, when we don't have that, we're going to look for it for the rest of our lives until we come into sonship with him. And when we come into sonship with him, it surpasses anything else that the natural father can give us. And so I actually see that when we come into the fullness of the spirit of sonship, as it's talking about here in Romans chapter 8, when we, when we come into the realization of a spirit of sonship, of who we are in God the Father, that we are almost like Jesus to him. We're co-heirs with Jesus. Think about that for a minute. We're co-heirs with him. Now, if you were a co-heir of, you know, the Queen's inheritance, you'd be quite happy right now, wouldn't you? A couple of you would be. The rest of you don't want wealth and glory and pomp, you know. But most of us would say, hey, that's not a bad inheritance, billions of dollars, 
you know, land all over, wherever, you know, England and the United Kingdom. And, uh, and so if we were co-heirs of that, that would be quite something significant. But we are co-heirs of something greater. We're co-heirs of what the King of Kings has established, which actually there's references in the Bible that makes us like little gods. Now, you can take that too far, but it's in Scripture if you want to research it. Now, we can take that the wrong way and we can make ourselves out to be, you know, the great gods and spiritual and start, you know, delivering things. But that's not what it means. What it means is you were once orphans and I've taken you and I've put you with Jesus. And therefore, you reign and rule with him if you live with him. And therefore, there's no, there's no orphan in you any longer. There's no orphan in you any longer because you're up there with him. My son, my daughter. And as we come into a greater realization of this, the easier things get because we don't have to strive for affirmation from anyone. No one's affirmation can supersede the affirmation of the Father, God the Father. And um, I always found it really interesting when in business we, there was various annual um, competitions that are put out in, in every state, but let's say in South Australia, that um, were run by, um, you know, programs encouraging business and entrepreneurship and things like that. And we were blessed to be able to win some of those things and, like, be the fastest growing this and the fastest growing that. And, and I was always fascinated... Um, and I actually did a, a short TV series with S.A. Great where they interviewed me and I, and I did some things. And I remember driving to the studio thinking, wow, I have no idea what to do um, uh, in a television studio uh, with all this stuff. And so they're putting makeup on. And I remember uh, thinking, wow, okay, so now television adverts are going to be about. And there were some banners at the old airport that people used to pay me out about. But anyway... Um, and I remember at that time thinking, wow, this is like really, really interesting. It's, um, it's, it's a realm I'd never seen before. And I remember uh, literally within a couple of weeks, it was like it never happened. It was just totally, totally not even thought about. You know, they're on to the next series and, and I'd forgotten about it. And, and I, I remember thinking, wow, it was almost an empty experience because the affirmation of people is so short-lived and it's so dependent on how you and I perform. If you get a 9 out of 10, well done. If you get a 2 out of 10, you're not going to get the fame and, and, and acknowledgement, aren't you? are you? And therefore, if we live to satisfy the fame and the performance and the affirmation of other people, we are going to juggle so many balls that will end up just causing anxiety and stress within. We will not have peace within. We can only have peace within when we have peace with him. And it, it's, it's interesting to uh, come into a greater fullness of that when we realize that sonship is one of the most powerful traits of Christianity. It really is. Because it takes away a whole need to be affirmed by man. And I actually think this is what... It's interesting in the Garden of Eden... The, the temptation that Satan knew would be maybe something that would tempt Adam and Eve or tempt man would be something that would give them what they've already got. 
See, he so deceived them. He made them think that they don't have access to all this good stuff and they're going to have something better. And so he almost poured onto them this false flattery. Oh, you're going to see this. You're going to understand good and evil. You're going to have knowledge like God. So he came alongside them and really built them up in this deceiving flattery, which is flattery of the flesh. And this is the orphan spirit at its biggest and its most um, you know, obvious coming into mankind was when Satan entered at that point. Because they already had this stuff. They walked with the Father. They had complete intimacy with the Father already. But Satan tried to tell them, you don't have enough. You need more. I can give you more. And so it's that, it's that thing wanting to affirm what they already had. And so our discovery of sonship, when we get born again, when we see Jesus, when we invite him in, we then have a journey of sonship to live out. And that journey of sonship is a choice. We don't have to live it out. We can still run and please everyone around us. And believe me, it's tiring. And I'm sure you know that as well. But it's very tiring. Aren't you sick of doing that? So don't. (laughs) Just please your father. Please your father. Because you only have to read the book of Psalms and you'll have all the affirmation you you possibly want. Or, Or read Proverbs to gain some wisdom in understanding his heart. And then you read Song of Solomon's and you can see his love lavished out over his bride. And you can start to receive more and more and more of his affirmation. Because I think a lack of affirmation in this generation has us in a very, very vulnerable place. And, and there's things that this generation obviously are going to have to face regarding mother and father and a father's affirmation that no other generation has really had to face in this kind of full frontal manner in the sense of that you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. But we have a message from the father Christians have a message from the Father, and it's not to slam people who live in a different lifestyle, but what it is to do, it's to raise high the banner of a Father's affirmation over a generation. Because there are going to be young people in the next 10, 15 years who are going to be raised in a, in a home unit that we never thought possible. They are not even going to have a clue what a Father's affirmation is. Because they'll have two mothers and and they'll never have access to those kind of things. So it's us. And this is the importance of having Christian education, if I can plug Southern Vales and what we do there. It is such a paramount ministry for this Southern region because we get to impact this next generation with the love of the Father. With the love of the Father. And you know what? You can see it. Jenny would know this better than me. But you can see it in, in how some of the male teachers, how some of the kids will draw to the male teachers because there's a need of affirmation of dad. I didn't have a dad, so I need a dad. And there's a cry in the human race to know our dad. And that's why it says here, we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy, Father. Because ultimately, even though that word was hard for me to say for many years, to, to think of God as my dad or daddy, it was really odd. It was really weird to even say that. Actually, when you're two or three, that's what you say. And we're to become like little children. And so this is the relationship that our heavenly dad wants to have with us. 
And I know there's some of you this morning, in fact, everyone sitting in this room has had imperfect fathers. And one of the things I want to do this morning is just take a minute, and I'm sure most of you have done this a thousand times, forgiven and released your father. But I think this is a really good thing to just redo. You may have done it so many times that you can just do it in your sleep. Good. Let's just do it one more time. Because here's the thing. I think that one of the most, we can be so gifted, called, anointed, and have incredible, incredible things, but still operate as an orphan. I mean in the kingdom, I mean preaching, you know, televangelists or whatever it might be. You can see that if there's still a strive for needing, I'm not saying that uh, affection of other people and affirmation and pats on the back and all that stuff, it's not a bad thing in and of itself. But when it drives why we do things, it's coming from the orphan. And we don't want to operate from the orphan because we're not orphans. We're sons and daughters of a living God. And so irrespective of how we were treated as maybe as youth or kids and, and there's all sorts of stories you know, in a, in a room this size, irrespective of that, Romans chapter 8 is like the promise, the promise of a father to a son or a daughter and saying, you don't need to be a slave again to fear. Don't fear man Don't fear how well you'll perform or how well you won't perform. Don't fear the affirmation or the lack of affirmation of everyone else around you because sometimes it can be a lonely place. It can be a quiet place. You can be thinking, why are they always blessed? Why do they always get success? Why do they always get the breakthrough? Why does everyone affirm them and not me? And this is the word of God over you. But you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. He has placed a little bit of himself inside of you and his name is Jesus Christ. And he lives in you and he reigns in you and he draws you into intimacy with a loving heavenly dad. Like no dad on earth, as good as they are and they can be a little reflection of our heavenly father or they can be no reflection. It depends. But there's still only a very small reflection or fragment of what the heart of the heaven, our Heavenly Father is like. And so what better day today to recognize the affirmation of our Heavenly Father over you, over you today. And it may be something that you've never really realized. You might think, well, I've never wanted to brag or I've never wanted to make a big deal of myself. Well, God makes a big deal over you. He makes a really big deal over you. He celebrates your successes. He celebrates your wins. He celebrates when you're, even when you're hurting and you're in pain, he knows every feeling. He knows that feeling because he's in it with you. That's why he put a piece of his heart in you, Jesus, to walk us through it, to talk us through it so that we can rise up in that knowledge of our heavenly father. Affirmation of a father. It's, it's a big, big, big deal. And it's, um, it's something that, you know, I know that as a father, and I've got two of mine here this morning, that it's something that if a generation doesn't have it, then there's always a void and a need for it. 
and it doesn't matter really where it comes from. As soon as it's there, it's attractive. Whether it be the opposite sex, whether it be glory, whether it be job, money, whether it be... So you can see people when there's a lack of father's affirmation growing up, it's a very susceptible time in those adolescent years. Why? Because that void is there and it's raging. It's like on steroids. So they're going to go after anything where there's a seeming affirmation, don't they? Where's that affirmation? Where's that? Oh, job. I'm doing really well at my job now. Good. I'm getting affirmed by the boss. I'm getting promoted. I'm going to go harder into that. Or maybe with the girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever it might be. There's affirmation there. And so I'm going to go after that. And so we run after the direction of the void. The void is a lack of affirmation. We go after that wherever it is. And Christians do it it as much as non-Christians. You can see it all over the church. And this is why we do need to receive from him so we can give to our next generation. And so I want us to take a moment just praying this morning. And um, I want you to close your eyes and just, um, in fact, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray it all together. I think that's always a nice way to do it. And um, so I want you to pray after me. If you're feeling like it would be a good thing to forgive your father, release your father, bless your father, natural father I'm talking about, and then begin to receive from your spiritual father. Because it's not always possible to go back and redo time, is it? It's not always possible. Maybe father's still in a place where he can't give you that need. That's okay. You can't force it out of him. But you can get it out of your spiritual father. You can receive that from him. I believe that when we come into true, true sonship, we can operate so much like a son or a daughter that irrespective of what, if we've let those things go of the past, we can rule and reign with Jesus in a spirit of sonship with authority. And if you look at someone like Irene Negrini, who was here some months ago, she was not raised, and most of you heard her story, she was abused, she was outcast, rejected completely in, in all the worst forms, but carries a spirit of, a, of the daughter of God now. Why? Because she knows her father. She knows her father, and she lives out of that relationship. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So why don't you just pray after me if you feel like that would be a good thing to do. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your promise of sonship. And today we come before you. And we choose to re-forgive our natural fathers. We recognize that maybe their upbringing wasn't great either. And there was probably a lack of affirmation there. And so today... We forgive them. We release them. We pour our love upon them. And we ask that you would bless them. And we receive your spirit of sonship. And we ask for a greater awareness of what this truly means. I just want to pray over us just generally. Lord, I pray that today, as we go even this week, Lord, that you would impress on our hearts 
your affirmation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are my son. You are my daughter. You reign, co-reign with Jesus Christ. You are part of my family. And Lord, I pray that those words, the affirming words of the heavenly Father would be poured out all over us. And even this week as we go about doing things, that that attention, that that, that need of man's approval will begin to diminish and the affirmation of the Father would be poured out all over us. That when we spend time with you, Lord, there'll be an intimacy. There'll be a release of that affirmation. There'll be a poured out love, the Father's love, all over us in everything we do and say. Diminish the orphan. Remove that thing from us and that need and that anxiety. And release your love, your heavenly love. And Lord, I pray that you would show us the power of sonship. The power of daughtership. Lord, that this, this spirit that comes upon us, inside of us, Lord, then we know who we are and we know whose we are. And out of that, we carry an authority as a son or a daughter of the Most High. And Lord, I pray that you would wipe away every memory where there's been lack of affirmation, where there's been no encouragement, where there's been even a putting down and a pulling down and, a, and a, even a joking and a, and a putting down of who we are, maybe by father or mother or a father figure. And Lord, so we just release those thoughts and memories right now. And we ask that you would release your words, your confidence in us, your blessing, your anointing, your calling. And Lord, I pray today there would be a fresh impartation of a spirit of sonship in us and through us. Show us who we are. Show us who we are in you, Jesus. Show us how much you love us. Even today, Lord, on Father's Day, I pray a Father's blessing may be released upon families, upon the next generation, upon us, upon grandparents, upon fathers and mothers. Release your Father's blessing. Lord, Lord, I just pray today for great things. Why don't we stand for a minute? Lord, I thank you for the family that you've given us here. I pray that you may release a, a greater awareness of sonship even amongst us. That your Father's love may be released from this house to this community. And Lord, that you may... Draw in those that we can help. Draw in those that we can help with the love of the Father, affirming them, telling them how much you love them and how much we love them. Let us reflect the kingdom. And the kingdom is a family. And so we pray for a family anointing upon us. Even as we go today, whatever we're doing or not doing, we pray for a family anointing from the Father and a fresh awareness in Jesus' name. Go and give someone a hug. We're going to just put on a CD. There's um, soup in the cafe today for fundraising for India as well. If you want to stay and have some soup or a coffee, we bless you this week. Have an amazing week.